0: Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey
1: content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
2: wild woods of vancouver island welcome to the soda pod isha dromi here alongside the state of hoppy and thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening episode 87 of the soda pod how's it going hoppy it's going great man we got a game
0: six it's kind of a bummer that it lines up with the only football game that people really wanted to see tomorrow but uh well, the only football game people wanted to see. I know it's the only one tomorrow. Um, but <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm
2: Canadian. So for me, I'm like, NFL second always to hockey, baby. Let's go.
0: Oh, I'm absolutely going to be watching the hockey over the football, but uh, I'm just glad it's still going. We're squeezing every bit out of this we can. It gives me a little bit more time to try and win some money. Let, let's roll.
2: Yeah, and I mean, uh, sports are sports, and hey, maybe just get the split screen going, kind of like we're going right here live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks to everyone joining us again. Episode 87 of the SodaPod. We got our first guest joining us in the Hoppy Hour, so we're just going to go through the show rundown real quick here. We have the next segment being the Hoppy Hour uh, with Andy. Ruland of Bad Weather Brewing. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to bring on Andy here momentarily. Uh, After that, we're going to keep the guests rolling with Derek uh, Feltsa of uh well he's a wild blogger he's been on the show before he's a good friend of the soda pod here and uh we're gonna we're gonna dive into some topics he's been really vocal on twitter lately we've highlighted some topics of his that we're gonna dive into and it's gonna be some great it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna have some great wild talk on tap for you this evening uh we have some poll questions which we're gonna run down and then we got a little preview to this crazy ass sport that uh that hoppy and i've kind of stumbled upon here and uh, we'll bring actually my uh our good friend Sammy. Uh, Uh, My my roommate back on the podcast uh, next week to kind of talk about about it further. But uh, Calcio Storico, best sport in history? We'll ask you and uh, all our listeners, you have some homework on this one. Um, and finally, uh, if we have some time, we'll dive into the open phone segment as, uh, we, we do have an inbox that's starting to fill up, but, uh, if we're, if we're strapped on time, we'll push that again, uh, later as, uh, it's one of the least important segments here on the soda pod. No Shane just gripping his hair right now going, God damn it guys. I want to hear drunk Greg. We'll get to him. Uh, we'll get to him later. Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll read down the, uh, our sponsors, uh, later in the show as, uh, I want to get right into the hoppy hour, uh, featuring our friend Andy of Bad Weather Brewing. Let's go. First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalak. To
1: Stalak! To Staloc. I love that stuff. been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it.
2: You're all hopped out? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Uh, episode, again, 87 to the Hoppy Hour. Uh, we have a great guest on tap. Hoppy, you're the one who lined it up, so I'll hand the reins over to you, sir.
0: Yeah, very excited to be joined here tonight by head brewer out at Bad Weather Brewing, Andy
2: Ruin. Andy, how are we doing tonight?
3: Good. How you guys doing? Thanks for thanks for having me on. This is uh, super cool.
2: Oh, thank you, man. We're really excited. Uh, really excited to talk to you here. We got some we got some poll questions lined up to dive into later in this, but uh, but uh, yeah, again, thanks for your time, man. We're really excited.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry about the glare on the glasses. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to fix that. <laughs>
2: It's a work po- around That's okay. Our- it's a podcast first and foremost. This is just extra for the viewers, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but uh we always start here, Andy. What what are you drinking tonight as you join us?
3: Uh I'm drinking our uh fall seasonal um uh tipping it down. This is our uh extra special bitter brewed with Earl Grey tea. That's what I'm having tonight.
0: Okay, and tell me, just with that one in particular, because I'm not sure you know, how things work for Bad Weather in particular, is that a beer that you concocted? Is that one that you just brewed from someone else's recipe?
3: Uh, this was actually a, an old homebrew recipe of mine um, that I made before I started with, with Bad Weather. I always wanted to try to incorporate tea into some sort of style, and I thought it'd be fun to do an English style with an English style of tea, so... Um, I brewed one years ago, um, and then uh, the owners of Bad Weather ha- happened to try it uh, before I had gotten on board. And then after they hired me, they said we got to brew that beer for the tap room. So it started out as a, uh, a one-off at the tap room. We did it periodically. It was very popular, and it turned into a fall seasonal that we release in cans and ke- and kegs every fall. Um, Well, no kegs this year with everything, but we still did it in six packs for liquor stores. So it's been one of those cool successes that we see in the tap room from time to time that we turn into more regularly available for uh, people that can't make it to the tap room.
0: Very cool. And what I'm drinking right now is one that we're definitely going to dive into a little bit more because myself, Isha, other friends of the podcast that I've actually sent it out to, we're all obsessed with it. I am, of course, drinking the immortal toast right now. Oh
2: sure, okay. Yeah, I actually have an empty can uh, right next to me. It's uh, unbelievable beer, man. Like Hoppy sent me a care package all the way from uh, Minnesota. I'm actually from Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada, as west coast as you can get here, and uh, it w- it blew me away. Uh, the, the 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 color of it, the con- the consistency, the the taste. It was it was the best, uh, one of the best beers I've ever had, man. So honestly, just toast to you, my friend.
3: Well, I'm I'm gonna. Um, that's not one of my recipes. So um, I'll give a little sh- story background be- behind Immortal Toast. Um, that was concocted by uh, one of our co-founders' fathers, Zach. His dad, Greg, um, kept bringing in this this homebrew that he was making this white stout with chocolate and vanilla um, and cocoa and and uh, vanilla bean and coffee. And um, we were we had talked to him uh, about brewing a one-off. For the tap room and um weren't able to get it scheduled uh right away he kept doing some trials um, and unfortunately he did pass away before we were able to brew it uh, with him so um you know soon after that we talking with zach we we're like yeah we got to brew this beer um so this was greg's recipe uh, and then shortly after we brewed it we decided that yeah this has to be available more more regularly so it was a seasonal initially And now it is a year-round offering from us um, in cans and uh, limited draft. So it's a white stout, which is a kind of one of those obscure, maybe made-up styles. It's it's a blonde color, kind of gold, kind of the robust character a stout would have um, malt-wise. And then we uh, add coffee, whole bean coffee from a local roastery called Peace Coffee here in Minneapolis. Uh, And then it's also... uh, cocoa nibs and then vanilla is added as well. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool beer. It's fun. It's delicious. It's got a lot of cool flavors. And um it's fun to brew kind of a blonde colored beer that has such a robust flavor, coffee flavor that's not necessarily dark.
0: No, yeah. for sure. And that that's something we've been seeing quite a bit more out here in Minnesota too, just because of like how much you see the porters and the stouts even year round, but a lot more in the winter and people are trying to infuse those more, whether it be with blondes, I've seen one or two other, you know, white stouts quote unquote. Um, so I mean, I'm a huge fan and that was actually one of the big things I was going to praise you guys for was making that a year round offering. Um, as, as I look at your background though, Andy, I have to hit on my one criticism here for you guys and a little backstory. Me and my brother, we go to the state hockey tournament every year. We're pretty obsessed, and we're such degenerates that we can't just go and watch you know, a great high school hockey tournament. We've got to gamble and uh, play fantasy <laughs> hockey every morning. We, before the, the Friday slate of games, we draft a team of okay. high school kids, really? and the winner uh, gets a full growler from the other. Now, behind you there, I actually see, you know, that, that growler that you guys used to provide and be able to fill. We were going to make <laughs> yeah. that our mainstay. We were going to have a, a bad weather growler that we were going to take oh. one of those silver Sharpies and mark on and keep track of who won each year and have that okay. be the punishment. But, uh, I, I can't get those growlers anymore, man. And I'm sure that's not on you, but I I just had to vocalize it. I miss them.
3: <laughs> well, if you, if you wanted an empty one, uh, they do trickle in from time to time from customers. I could maybe probably hook you up with one if I see one. Um, but no, yeah, we did, uh, we introduced crawlers last November, and then slowly phased out growlers. Um, they just, crawlers are all the rage here in, in Minnesota now. Our growler sales every year have gone down, and uh, ultimately it was just like, well, what are we going to sell more about a tap room? So, um, and crawler, the crawler was it. So, I think we've, we phased them out completely around February. I think we stopped filling them. Um but yeah, if you want an empty empty one, I they do trick like it's almost once a week I'll have a few more just come back randomly, so we can probably hook you up with one.
0: Hey, I'll I'll absolutely take one for the decorations in the background here.
3: Okay. I'll keep it on my list to to keep an eye out for one. And I love uh, it. I'll let you know. Yeah, I, I love it. it. Absolutely.
2: So, Andy, we'll get into kind of the ins and outs of working with beer, because I know we we brought a, a few other brewers on, on the show recently, and a lot of them say that they like to play around with, you know, the, the IPAs, the pale ales more, because there's, well, there's room to play around with and get creative, where you don't necessarily want to, like... Uh, fix what ain't broken in a stout, you know. You keep it pretty, you know, within a smaller range of creativity. But, you, but again, what you guys have done is is absolutely outstanding, and we'll talk more about that uh, in a bit here. But first, uh, what what are your favorite types of beer, both as like a consumer and you know as as a brewer, like one that you like to play around with?
3: Uh, m- first, I generally lend, lead towards um, lagers, light light lager. That's my go to beer. Uh, usually more specifically german lagers um i just they're they're easy drinking uh but have lots of flavor i've just always always loved the styles that come out of germany and um that's usually what i will be looking for um at a liquor store and some of my favorite ones to brew are going to be uh, the lagers that we do
2: okay okay we have uh, one i don't know if it's it may not be this famous, and may not have reached the the state of Minnesota. It's called Lucky Logger. For those uh, listening on the West Coast here, they'll love that I'm representing this one. But I uh, I encourage you to go check it out, my friend. Uh, you may roll your eyes at me after, but it's it's a mainstay here on Vancouver Island. It's one of the many things that we're very proud of here. Is our Lucky Logger? My producer oh, here next to okay. me is just shaking his head. It, <laughs> I guess is it's that, like our, it's like the our name version movie? of Bud Light, I guess. No, okay. no. Hey, nothing wrong with that no man there you go there you go yeah (laughs) and that was a little shout out to those west coast listeners here
0: (laughs) and so andy tell us uh again this kind of caught my eye about a week ago when the bad weather page actually posted it explain to everyone what a damp beer is and how you guys came to brew it and just what your thoughts are all around on the end product
3: yeah, so uh, damp beer is a uh, it's a it's a really old. There's not a lot. I, I wasn't able to find a lot of literature about it when we decided to brew one, uh, but it is a very very old German style that originated, I believe, in the Bavaria area of Germany. Um, generally brewed with hefeweizen yeast, but uh, no wheat. So usually hefeweizen is brewed with about fifty to sixty percent wheat malt. Uh, damp beer is um, all malted barley, so there's no wheat. Generally, a copper color. Um, and uh, we'll have some, um, maybe it's like some toast notes, a little nutty, um, but you get a lot of the and characteristics. So, uh, banana, clove, maybe a little bubble gum. Um, I think it was one of those styles of beers that brewers in the area just brewed with what they had available at the time. And that's just kind of what the style turned out to be. Um, so when we brought in our Hefeweizens in this summer, we were chatting about, we always chat about what else should we brew with that yeast. We'll usually use that yeast about three times. Um, and Zach, uh, when our co-founders brought up, let's do a damp beer. And we, we were like, yeah, we should. Um, I've had them a couple times. Surly did one. Surly Brewing did one uh, several years ago. I think Summit did one a few years ago in their beer hall. And I, those are the only places I've heard of that have done one. Um, oh, Shell's Brewery did one a couple of years back in one of their mix packs, but we were just like, yeah, hell yeah. You know, we haven't done it yet. We're always about, if we find a new style that we want to brew, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try it out. So um, yeah, that's how that style, that how, how that one came out to be. And we're really super stoked with the results.
0: Yeah. And I got to say, I I came in and tried it just the other day and I don't know if this was the intention or if this is how the style is supposed to play out, but it was really interesting just having a beer where every sip I got a little bit of something different. Like, first sure, sip, yeah. you kind of gauge it and figure what's going on. Second sip, I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of banana here. Next one, you taste something else. And then you even get on and mess around on untapped and see what other people put on there. And I read it, I'm like, bubblegum? What? And then I take another sip, sure as shit, there's bubblegum. Yeah. So, like, it was just a really interesting beer from
3: that perspective.
2: You're blowing my mind here. What is this, banana, bubblegum, in two separate sips? Andy, explain. There's marshmallow.
3: What? I think, I think a lot of that is derived from that, the just Hefeweizen yeast in general is, is lots of those prominent characteristics and yeah, you might get one right away. And, and the more you're thinking about it through sensor, you're like, what, you know, or like you probably were tasting that bubble gum, you're like, what, what is that? You know, sometimes Mm. you just need to just read it. Like, Oh, Oh, that's what that one is. You know, like sometimes it's, it's there, but you like, I know what that is. And, um, but there's, I think there's a lot, a lot with that yeast. Uh, and then with the malts we used, too, gave it just another, like, kind of secondary uh, range of flavors. So, like, uh, some marshmallow notes. I get a lot of toast characteristics out of it. So, it's, yeah. And then as the beer will warm up, that will change how it would taste, too. So, that might bring out some different flavors and aromas.
2: Definitely. And oh, one, one of our listeners says, it sounds like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory over there.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. You know, it's, there's, you're always playing around with new, new, new ideas and, and new flavors. And, uh, it's fun to see what, uh, the yeast will bring you when it's all said and done.
0: Very cool. One. Well, so take us back a little bit, Andy. I'm not sure if you've been with Bad Weather since its inception, you know, talk about how the brewery came to be, how you got involved with the brewery and, uh, you know, ultimately just how they've kind of grown ever since.
3: Sure. So um, Bad Weather Brewing is uh, we celebrated our seventh anniversary this past spring. Uh, I think it's seven years. I'm trying. to. I think it's about seven years. I've been with the company for about five, but I do have a history with them from their inception. Um, My old employer, I used to work at a brewery called Lucid Brewing in Minnetonka, western suburb, Zach and Joe got their start at Lucid. Uh, Lucid was operating as an alternating proprietorship. So breweries could uh, start up there and then kind of, you know, um, split off and then start their own uh, brick and mortar building. So it was a way to start your brewery and not have to build up as much capital to find a building and buy equipment. So um, I got to know them right away from that as an assistant brewer at Lucid. And then um, when Zach and Joe were building out the new brewery in St. Paul, um, they had called me in for an interview for the head brewer's position. So I, um, that's how I got the job at, at Bad Weather. So, um, yeah, we've been around for about seven years. The current location is in uh, just outside of downtown St. Paul on West 7th. It's about, um, for all you hockey fans, it's about five blocks from the XL Energy Center. So... Mm. Um, Yeah, that's where we're located right now nice um big patio um and uh yeah that's kind of the short short history of bad weather brewing um the name bad weather brewing comes from zach uh one of the co-founders when him his dad greg and then his brother uh ben uh you know homebrewing in the garage just like everybody else and every time they were brewing in the garage it was usually Ah, uh, bad weather outside. So nice. I don't know if it was Ben or Greg, but they were joking around with Zach. Hey Zach, you know if you ever start a brewery, you got to name it Bad Weather Brewing Company. So that's that's how the name came to be. So, um.
2: dude, I love that. I love hearing like I'm a I'm a music guy too, and I love hearing about like odd band names and like the story of like hey, well how how did that come to be? Because that's not just something that you know you snap your fingers or you look at a beer and you go okay that's exactly what that's associated with. So that, that's awesome, man. I love it. Um, let's, let's, I want to talk a little bit more about yourself, sir. Um, explain to us about your time, uh, at the American Brewers Guild and your experience studying with them.
3: Sure. So the American Brewers Guild is a, one of a few different, um, places in the U S that you can actually get, um, a degree or an education in, in brewing principles and brewing. Um, they're based out in, um, the East coast. It's a distance learning program. So um, when I signed up, they send you all your literature, all your DVDs. It was a three ring binder about yay thick. It was about 52 DVDs. Um, Damn. it's a six month program. They really cram it in. Um, because at the time, uh, when, when I had started, they had a two year waiting list. There was such a high demand. Um, they really, it's a six month program. You do weekly tests. There's two exams and a, and a, and a final, um, but all of the courses are taught by industry experts. So um, the gentleman that taught all of our yeast classes started one of the uh, yeast companies in the U.S. You know, the, um, the guy that did all of the um, brewing engineering and designing um, kind of helped build Bell's Brewery. So there's some pretty well-known industry experts. You learn a lot. Um, I feel like it probably could be maybe stretched out a little longer. Six months is a lot of information to get crammed in all at once. Um, but the nice thing that I was able to do was I was working at Lucid at the time so I could apply what I was learning in real time, which really kind of made those connections Mm -hmm. work a lot better in in my head when it came to learning, uh, general theories and principles. So, um, it's a great program. It's a, um, a husband and wife that run the, run the program. I think they've been, I think they started in the mid nineties. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, would highly recommend anyone that is looking into a, a brewing ed- education to look into the American Brewers Guild. Um, there's several other in the U S that's just the one that I happen to go with. So, um, yeah,
2: Oh, that's awesome. I was checking out the program uh, prior to bring you on here and yeah, some of the, you know, some of the backgrounds of the people who helped develop it, like, like you just alluded to, uh, are pretty, are pretty outstanding in the industry. So that's super cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great program. I I would love to take take more um, programs, you know, someday. I mean, it's. I feel like there's a lot more um, out there that I could do in terms of um, education. There's some really good schools in, in Europe right now that are um, much longer durations, but um, there's a good, really good one in Chicago. Uh, there's a couple out on the West Coast. There's a lot of options um, for people to get a formal brewing education.
2: So what kind of, uh, like, uh, particular skills do you, do you go into these programs and look for? Because obviously, like, you're a head brewer. You know your stuff. So when you take these, uh, when you, when you kind of go into these programs and, and, and learn about these things, what are you, you kind of taking out and, and aiming to, like, to grab to, to further develop your skills and creativity?
3: I think it's a lot of it is, uh, you know, for us, it's a fast-moving environment. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard work, a lot of manual labor. So I'm always trying to find ways where how can we be more efficient in something, right. or where can we maybe save some money. You know, those kind of things are always smart man. I'm um, turning, <laughs> turning upstairs in my head. So because um, you're always trying to find ways for your employees to obviously work safer, more efficiently, make a better product. So there's always options, and that's usually just, or that could be just looking at better types of equipment or learning about different types of equipment like a different way to process something so um, that's that's generally what i'm looking to do and um, um, if i were to you know take any further um, types of education to be up that alley but also just general just you know knowledge about beer as a whole you know there's a there's a whole lot that i've learned and there's a whole lot that i still will continue to learn until the day i die i'll never stop you know educating myself and in my craft so
2: that's awesome
0: i love it i love it and then last thing here andy before we jump into the poll questions just looking at the minnesota craft beer scene as a whole like what it was like back when you started when you were doing things with lucid where Mm -hmm. it's come to today and seeing honestly seeing them pop up everywhere i mean just talk through what you've seen and you know where you see it going from here
3: man um so when i started at lucid um, that was about, uh, Surly, Surly had been open for uh, a couple years, I think. You know, Liftbridge was another kind of pioneer that was starting that next craze. Obviously, Summit and Shells and uh, Town Hall, um, those guys had been around for a long time. Um, for, for me, Sur- Surly, like specifically, that was one of the, when, when they first came out with Furious, um, that started kind of a new craze here in terms of like just bold, Bitter, hoppy, delicious beer. I mean, that 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 beer really was just like a. No one around here was doing anything like that, so that kind of started this kind of hoppy craze. I think around uh, in the cities, um, and then from there, it's kind of you know. Uh, last three or four years, the things have gone really fast. The hazy IPA is king right now. It's it hazy IPAs, milkshake IPAs, um, fruited sours. I mean, things are changing so rapidly. Um, with the, with the brewing industry and now seltzers are all the rage. Right. So it's like
2: yeah,
3: every two weeks, it seems like there's a new. that everyone wants something. Okay. This was good. What's what's next. It's almost like this. It's, it's crazy how fast, um, trends and styles are, are coming about. So. It's almost um, like
2: millennials are dictating the market now.
3: <laughs> well, that's for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, you, you, it's, and I think it's always kind of been like that, but it seems like it's more evident Yeah. now. Um, but I, I, I kind of see a, a trend kind of shifting back towards more uh, just sessionable, simpler beers. You know, I that's kind of where I see things are going. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think right now it's still, uh, I think seltzers are just, it's crazy. And um, it's it, that's pretty mind-boggling how that's gone in the last year and a half, two years. I don't even, it hasn't even been that long. So for
2: me, it feels just like the summer, cause like I'm a beer and whiskey guy. I don't really, you know, venture off into anything else, you know, or with sugar. I mean, other than red wine. So it's like I didn't even really see it until this year in the summer, when you know, when everyone kind of just went to social media when they were quarantining, in quarantine, and just kind of saw it everywhere. in like the White Claws and the Bud, you know, the Bud Seltzers and the big one, you know, as of the, as far as the big ones. And then every kind of craft brewery here, even on Vancouver Island in BC, kind of had you know popped one out uh, as well. So it, it for me, it seems like. Kind of like seven, eight months is where it just like took off.
3: Yeah. That yeah. Last, I think,
0: last oh, sorry.
3: no, I was just going to quick. When the, when the, when all the, when everything shut down, um, and all the, all the breweries were like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to can more beer or can mm-hmm. more seltzer that, that got pretty dicey. I mean, there was a lot, there was, we didn't really see it too much, but there were supposedly a lot of can shortages. Manufacturers oh, yeah. couldn't keep up with can production. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Man, yeah. it was,
2: it was, it was crazy times. So and just to jump on that quick before we, uh, go into our poll questions here and to bring a little like hockey swing into it. Um, since this is a beer and hockey podcast, we had a, we had a guy who didn't on uh, iTunes to give us a, a bad review cause he didn't like the beer talk. He only came for the hockey talk. It's a beer huh. and hockey talk podcast, <laughs> but I'll, I'll throw in some hockey, uh, uh, a hockey tidbit in here too. Um, when, uh, when all this was developing overseas in, in China in regards to, uh, COVID 19 around Christmas time. There was actually a story out of the Minnesota Wild. Um, I forget if it was, if it was Russo or, or one of the other local media who was uh, commenting on it, but there's actually a shortage of sticks coming to the NHL's oh. way just because of the same sort of thing. Manufacturing uh, uh, plants in uh, in China and in that area that developed a bunch of sticks. They couldn't get enough out of the country either for some of these players. So there actually were like shortages where some of the, I remember the trainers saying, uh, actually, like Parise you only have four more sticks. So just like, you know, for another week or so. So calm down and this guy this guy in particular likes to <laughs> likes to change those really? like every wow. every game
3: that's crazy i did not hear about that i can see that though it makes sense i mean anything imported was not going to be available for a little while <laughs> so. yeah, it's seen,
2: and shane van ice here our biggest fan here on the soda pot he likes the beer talk more than the hockey talk so there you go shane there, you there go. we go
0: <laughs> and the last last question here andy before we get <laughs> calls, because selfishly uh I know Isha will be on board with this too. I just got to ask cuz you're talking about shifting more towards, you know, sessionable drinkable beers. Any chance anywhere in the near future oh, I you would brew a peanut butter beer at Bad Weather?
3: Uh, you never know. Um it's it's possible. I Look, I can't like say Andy. I uh, can't I'll, say I'll... Even.
2: I'll buy out your warehouse and start and uh, you know and get and get you guys a good clientele here on the west coast of Canada if you do because they don't do enough peanut butter uh, porters out here in the west coast of Canada. Okay. We're weirdos
0: on here Andy, sorry.
3: Nope, no, nope, not at all. It's totally cool.
2: So, every week we do a
0: different beer related and hockey related poll on Twitter. Um, okay. so this past week's that just closed out today, um want your opinion here too. If you're going to the liquor store, normal booze run, what might influence you to buy a beer from a brewery that you've just never tried? So are you going to go off of clever name, can art and the design on it, unique flavor or style or employee recommendation?
3: For me, um, I would probably, it would be, I usually go into a liquor store with a style in mind. So that'll be first and foremost, but to, to, to be honest, it'll be, I'll try to do this the best I can. It's something I haven't had before. Um, and to be honest, if it, the can art, that's, that's a, you know, there's, that's going to sell me on some stuff. So right. I like, I like good designed cans or bottles. Um, Cause I think that just says like, they, they probably put a lot of time and, and effort into that label. I would like to think that what's inside the package will be the same, but um, Yeah. I usually will have some sort of idea when I go like, all right, I'm going to go, I want to get some IPA today or I'm looking for a sour beer. And then, um, I'd like to think that would narrow down my search, but I still usually just peruse the whole. (laughs) Same with (laughs) me, man. Same with me. Like I'll
2: I'll go in looking for certain something and walk out with like three additional ones as well.
3: Well, yeah, Yeah. that's true. There is that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, the, the pollers said uh, 33% went with the employee recommendation, which you know, I get if they're into your flavor. Um,
2: wow. Ken Stapon, he, he, he died on that sword, too. He was telling me afterwards.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, 30% went to the can art and design, like you were just saying. I know Isha's very much on that train as well. Uh, 20% went to the unique flavor and style. That's kind of my thing. If I go in and I see something that I've just like never heard of, and it sounds interesting as far as the style or the flavor, that's what I'm going to go for. And then clever name with 16.7%. Okay. Um, now this week's poll question, we kind of threw out there for, for you guys here, Andy, we'll see if you catch a a theme at all. (laughs) Which of these unique beer styles would you be most interested in trying? We have damp beer. We have ESB with Earl Grey tea. We have rye pale ale and we have white stout. Any theme that developed there?
3: Well, it sounds like a, a theme of beers I know very well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is. So maybe yeah. talk briefly on any of these that you want to, uh, as far as just the ones that you would encourage people to try, but also what, what's your favorite out of those options?
3: Um, well I would say um, my fa- well my favorite right now I'm, I'm really digging the the damp beer um, it's it's really good I really, I'm really happy with how that how that is tasting. Um, the rye pale ale was fun. it's there's not a ton of that left. I think we're getting down on that one but that was one of the original four beers made by bad weather. Um, uh, it was retired. It was a summer seasonal for a, a few years. Um, We did retire it a couple years ago. So it's fun to bring some of those originals back from time to time. Um, And that one of all the four, when I was um, trying them initially, that was one of my favorites uh, when Zach and Joe were coming out with new recipes. I loved uh, the rye pale ale. That one's, it's got a nice um, bitterness to it. Um, The rye character comes through really nicely. It's kind of a bready, spicy note um, with some really kind of, aromatic hops that are um, kind of piney a little tropical it's uh that was it was one of my favorites from the original four that that they had released
2: well, our friend sean at beardy canuck 03 uh out, out here uh, actually he lives in calgary alberta but he's a canucks fan um of the the hockey podcast he commented and he's a huge beer guy as well he's come on the show before uh, shout out sean he said rye pale ale is right up my alley but the esp with Earl Grey is very intriguing. Um, There's a brewery here on Salt Spring Island, a little island just off the coast of uh, Vancouver Island. Um, And they have uh, an Earl Grey. um, uh, I think it's a pale ale as well, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember being really uh, impressed with uh, just how, you know, the range of flavors that you can infuse uh, with that as uh, as kind of the framework. And I I really enjoyed that one as well. Uh, We'll have to bring the, the good folks from Salt Spring on as well.
3: Yeah, the cool thing with uh, using that tea in particular that I that I particularly like is you get um, plenty of the bergamot, right? That you get a lot of that mm. you know, yeah. spicy notes, some floral notes. So those those flavors can meld really well with certain types of hops. So I could see that being pretty good.
2: Um, no, uh, outstanding. And this has been outstanding, man. Hobby, do you have anything else for Andy here?
0: No, just really appreciate you coming on. I'll certainly hold you to uh, getting those growlers whenever they come through. And who knows, maybe we'll have a a backdoor arrangement where you uh, can fill them for me. I'm sure we probably can't, but uh, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But thank you so much for joining us, man.
3: Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Uh, Everyone have a good night and um yeah cheers thanks a lot hey, we really appreciate it and you
2: guys are doing amazing work over there so please send our best regards uh, to everyone at bad weather We, you got again outstanding product and uh, we'll continue to support you guys
3: thank you very much i appreciate that i'll let everybody know
2: Awesome. Again, everybody. Andy Rulin of Bad Weather Brewing joining the the Soda Pod episode eighty seven. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. Then right on the other side, uh, we're gonna get into some puck talks, Minnesota Wild talk with our friend Derek here. Uh, thanks again, Andy. We're uh, we'll go into the next segment here and talk about some hockey here on the Soda Pod.
1: Are you at Kenny Rogers now, or no? That's your no. <laughs>
2: No, 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 it's just
0: my display name. It's still at Ken State bar, but... Is Rogers O-dog. your middle name?
1: Sorry, I don't even know.
0: No, the, you don't know who Kenny Rogers is? The no. gambler? No.
2: What? I'm, what I'm a deer in Christ headlights, buddy.
0: I'm a deer dog. in headlights. Anyways, Kenny Rogers, very infamous country singer. <laughs> And also, just what the O
2: Dog has deemed my nickname. He just keeps calling me Kenny Rogers, or referring to me in the third person as the gambler. So O Dog, he was roasting me the other day on Overdrive on uh, on Labor Day because I shot him
0: a text message during the show. No way! I have to say something, Kenny
3: Rogers. I know you can hear this right now. Don't ever text me on my personal phone. He just texted me and said, "I'm doing updates, guy." <laughs> I love it. Good man, Kenny. He's in there working.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But he was roasting me on air, man. I was at work doing the updates, and he was saying that I got the day off, so I had to defend my honor. Not Another Leafs Podcast. New episodes Mondays on the Hockey Podcast Network.
2: We're getting into some Minnesota Wild Talk here with our friend, Derek Felska. How's it going, my man?
1: Pretty good, other than the the allergies right now. Beyond that, I'm doing great.
2: Oh, man, I get them around this time of year, too. It's it's horrible. Honestly, with me, it's whenever the seasons change. Whenever the seasons change, you know, I get the sniffles, I get the allergies. Sometimes I get a little bit of a cough, although Producer T and Boys of the Stick Hungry will say that's for other reasons, but we'll get into that some other time. Um, <laughs> Overall, how's, how's it going, my man? You had a good weekend?
1: Yeah, uh, we won our first, We uh, for those of you don't know, I coach high school football in Wisconsin. And uh, we had our first game on Friday, and we won 48-6. So it's a good week whenever you win.
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm digging the hat by the way too, the shout out to the you. Minnesota North <laughs> Stars. Uh Always. Kru, Shane's co- Shane's commenting right now and this will be a question for for uh, you down south. Do you guys call growlers <laughs> cannonballs sometimes? No. Mm, Shane, not, where not where not are you getting work. that info? Shane, you got to cite your sources here, bud. <laughs> uh, I've but again, never heard we're really, that term. So you never heard that term. Okay, okay. Well, may, maybe Shane will will clarify here. Actually, uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty confident <laughs> that that he will. But again, uh, we're really excited to bring on uh, Derek again to the show. Um, Derek from the Crease and Assists blog on the Sports Daily. Um, and you've been you've been hard at work here. I've seen some uh, I've seen some takes on Twitter. I've been going through some of your latest works. And I thought, well, what better segment To bring Derek on, then, uh, well, then our our Minnesota Wild and Pucks Talk segment here. Um, before we dive into our poll questions, though, uh, Hoppy has something to ask you. Okay, like
0: I ask everyone, what's on tap tonight?
1: Uh, I have a Potosi Snake Hollow IPA. Everyone in Wisconsin talks about uh, New Glarus all the time and Spotted Cow, but really, uh, (laughs) yes. Cause anybody that they find out you're from Wisconsin, they're like, "Can you get me some spotted cow?" That's what I get all the damn time. So Potosi, it's down in southwestern Wisconsin. Um, it's a little brewery. They have a the cool thing about the brewery is the fact that uh, all their uh, all their profit goes to charity. So it's kind of like a nonprofit brewery, which is pretty awesome. And they also oh, cool. run apparently one of the biggest beer museums in North America. I, I need to get there. Oh. So, wow. Pretty cool stuff.
2: Oh, Sh- Shane Van Dyke, he's he's you know he's seen the bat signal. He says uh, that's what we called them in university. I think uh, it uh, might have been something like cannonballs, but I think it was I think it was cannonballs. <laughs> it was okay. like a massive growler. Uh, Shane, where'd you go to university again? Uh, university of Oregon. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that I can get around Brady, levo thanks for <laughs> thanks for tuning in buddy um Derek before we jump into just just a ton of Minnesota wild talk here uh, you told me off air last time the story about well the name of your blog uh crease and assist and I uh, I said that that was a great story we had to bring it uh we had to bring it on the next segment we have together so what's the background behind your name here and your uh, and your blog crease and assist
1: well uh, this is gonna date me quite a bit but um, this is my 16th year of blogging. Uh, I was originally the state of hockey news and that's the way it was for a long time for about 13 years. And then, uh, Michael Russo, um, this is the story I'm going with, but Michael Russo mentioned my name and my blog on his talk North thing. And then s- suddenly, um, about a week later, the, the people that runs the sports daily, uh, send me an email saying, um, there's, we just got a, a, cease and desist order from the Minnesota wild over the use of the words state of hockey. That's a trademark. And they're, they're demanding that you see you cease and desist using that name like right now. So you're gonna have to change your name in your blog, man. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was worried like, you know, like, am I going to lose my listeners or, 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 I don't have listeners. my readers, I guess. And, uh, I don't know. I threw it out to some friends of mine and a pretty clever guy named Tim McHugh. His name's uh, at Tim Nato on Twitter. Uh, The first one he came up with was crease and assist, a legally compliant Minnesota hockey blog. And I said, (laughs) I said, that's hilarious. It's kind of like my fuck you to the wild, which that's kind of what it was meant to be, because I don't know. I felt like I was giving them a lot of free advertisement for years, and yet they decided to sue me over that. So whatever. It's a funny story, though.
2: Uh, Brady Levold says, OG blogger, he is indeed, man. It's awesome. Yeah, He's it's weird to think it. that's been long, long. Thanks for tuning in, Brady. Really appreciate it. Yeah, um, that, that is
0: a great background, though, on the name, man.
2: That's right, awesome. right. I was curious. There's and, nothing uh, I
0: love more than just giving the finger to people, like very, very nonchalantly, like very Minnesota passive aggressive. I'll just be
1: creepy, <laughs> most <laughs> definitely. Yep. I love that. And, and you know, the thing is, uh, in you know, now I guess I have an interesting story to tell, but I didn't lose any readers over it. If anything, you know, people then ask me like, "That's really clever," word you, you know, and then it leads to the story, and then, you know, it's 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 been it's actually been a good thing, and all things considered.
2: That's awesome. Hopefully, they don't right. come
0: after me for state of hobby. I don't
2: know. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, there, ne- there. I mean, you're next if this thing blows up. Yeah, <laughs> I I I,
1: kid, I I kid you not. There is a person on Twitter that's mince or minnesota state of hockey news and i'm like going okay i almost thought i'm like should i narc on him or should i just see how long this goes or just
0: warn them <laughs> like hey buddy just so you know this is what's coming if russo ever mentions you
1: yeah don't don't say anything to russo about your name or <laughs> <But> whatever
2: <laughs> you No, know, um, oh, let's get into some hockey talk here hoppy
1: yeah, and uh, like we
0: mentioned in our last segment with the beer poll questions, let's dive into the puck poll questions uh, leading off with last week's. Again, want to get your thoughts on this, Derek. But uh, as everyone just says goodbye to Miko Koivu, yeah. who, who should be stepping up in replacement as that captain? Felino, Kaprizov, Cunning, or Spurgeon? How do you feel?
1: Uh, without a doubt, Jared Spurgeon. Uh, one he's the most likely of the, the ones that you've picked to stick around because after all, he has a no movement clause. So and if he wants to leave, he'd have to decide to leave. Uh, the rest of those guys, while I think they're, they're important players, one I either think that maybe given the direction of what they want to do with the team, they may not want to be, they may not be here for much longer So I think you'd wanted to give it to a person that you think is going to be here probably for the better part of the next decade. And that'll probably be Jared Spurgeon.
0: Yeah. And until you said that, I I kind of forgot that anyone on the wild had a no movement clause. I know we don't give those out very often.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. Your tongue is just firmly planted in that cheek of yours.
0: (laughs) Oh Oh man. Well, the the result uh, Spurgeon was close, but uh, we actually got the lead from Marcus Foligno with forty-five point eight percent. Like you said, part of your argument was that you know Jared Spurgeon will be here. Obviously, if Felino gets signed, you know he's certainly a capable option, and I'm sure, I'm sure Alexis had nothing to do with that vote result. Oh, no, um, none at well,
1: all. <laughs> well, but you know what? You know, I'll, I'll I'll say this, and you know Alexis Pearson's fandom of uh, or. Whatever you want to call it, over. It's Marcus a love, Lino, okay? it It's a love. Yeah, and, you know,
2: a, it, e- even as a straight male, I can understand it. The guy's dreamy as shit, okay, and he plays like awesome. He plays like a beast. So, there
1: you it, go. it's agave love, not romantic love, right? <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs>
2: He's a gladiator anyways, too, though. I just, I love uh, it. He he plays the game in such like in the best way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that there's there's something to be said that you respect for the person that stands up for your teammates, you know, who pays the physical price when no one else probably would. Yeah. And he he w- certainly would do that. He's a he's a warrior. And and while I w- I would definitely say he's probably one of the most honest brokers in the room when he gets a chance to comment. He's definitely, you know, to me the most honest quote out of anybody on the Minnesota wild. I mean, if he's, if he thinks the team didn't bring it, he'll say, so, you know, you go to other guys, it's just simple cliches about, well, we just got to be better and that's it, you know, and he's going to tell you how it is. And I think a part of that comes from being a, a person that's grown up uh, with really pro hockey being all around his life with his father being mm-hmm. a pro, his older brother being a pro. I mean, he, he knows that people are smart enough to watch and know what they see. And if it's, it's, stupid to try to lie about it and try to convince us that you played well when you played like shit. And, and, I, and I, would, I, I would like him as a captain. I just, you know, depending on what direction Bill Guerin wants to go with the team, he may not fit that paradigm. And whereas, you know, Spurgeon's going to be there. So I think that would give him the inside edge, even though I think Felino would be the more, out, you know, he'd be the more likely leader to be a, a vocal personality in the room. I think Spurgeon would talk once in a while, but Marcus, I think you know would say he he would call people. I mean, I don't know if they call him people out, but that's part of being a leader too.
2: yeah, well, know, we talked a little bit We talked a little bit about this with Jesse Pearson on uh it was one of the last few episodes, here, and I think that at this point you could give the seat to Spurgeon. Or or Filingo or give one the A and one the C. It doesn't really matter. They're going to kind of be that co-captaincy, and one's going to you know S- Spurgeon's going to be the silent leader who speaks up when needed, where Falingo's going to be kind of what Eric Stahl was last last season, the hype man, the vocal one, the candid one, and Spurgeon will lead kind of by example. Um, like I- I've said this before, and I'll say it again. In-, in the Vancouver Canucks market, you had the Sedin's who were the cat, you know, the captains of the team, and then you had the likes of like a Kevin Bieksa who was more the louder one in the room, but he he knew you know, who the team kind of filtered through as far as being the example on and off the ice. That's well, I mean.
1: there's a fa- I'm just going to say there's a, there's a face of the franchise and there's a voice of the franchise. Yeah. You know, you, you know, and, and I think while you may market your star, like the Sedins would have been in Vancouver, you know, BX is the guy that's paying the, is paying the physical price. And, you know, there's, there's a respect that's given i mean that's why in a scrap even if a guy gets the crap knocked out of him he earns respect from his teammates because they know he'll stand up for himself and stand up for others it, you know it's still even though a lot of people think the code is is gone it's still there it's just not as harsh as it used to be
2: it's just dumbed down
1: <laughs> it, it, it's a little it's watered fluffier down, now. Okay. it's like
2: it's like you it's like usa logger just watered down
1: Oh, it's like a white claw. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> we
2: can agree on that.
0: Yeah. But no, I mean it, it kind of shows in here, like Isha said from speaking with Jesse last week. Like Felino and Spurgeon took this poll away, pretty much split the vote from mm-hmm. that perspective. We got 45% to 39%. Like pretty much a toss-up between those two. One's gonna get the A, one's gonna get the C if Felino sticks around. Um then the other two that we threw in, we got Caprizov, which like I, I told Jesse this on our last episode that we had with her. Like, this was just a troll pick. Like, I yeah. asked you do you want to put him in, or do you want to put Anthony Sorelli And he chose Caprizov, so that's what we went with. I just needed something that was going to piss people off, and I'm, I'm surprised that he got almost 10% of the vote.
2: Um, I'm not. I know Zeke <laughs> voted for him. I know you did, Zeke. Don't lie to me. Yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Luke Cunning got 5.6%, and we put him in because he's just the kind of guy that, Feels poised to be in a leadership position, maybe not quite yet, but you look at everything that he's done up to this point at Wisconsin with National Development Program and even what we saw in the postseason from him this year, that's a guy that could very well end up in that type of a role, you know, sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, he could. I I like I said, I'm I'm still not sure, you know, and depending like I said, and now it sounds like I'm completely given a cop-out but depending on how what garen thinks this team is going to be i don't know how he fits just yet so we'll see
0: no that's totally fair um well then we'll jump into the the poll that we posted just an hour ago here um and obviously with the timing just being just over a week out from the nhl draft what do you want to see the wild do come draft time do you want to see them trade up into that two to five range do you want to see them just draft at their ninth overall slot? Do you want to see them trade back and get assets? Or do you want to see that pick included in a package for an established 1C? What are your thoughts, Derek?
1: Uh, this is going to sound like I'm hedging my bet again. But uh, I guess personally, I think it's going to be really difficult to trade into the top five. I think it'll be very expensive. Uh, it'll probably for sure cost you dumba or at least our our bonus first round pick from next season especially since it's a non it's a non lottery protected pick and people might like the chance at striking a lottery pick um and I don't know if that's something we'd want to do my my gut feeling is is I would see who you think is going to be a va- I would have a very small list of three guys we have to get at nine and if we can't get them then we think about trading back and those three players would probably be in this order well maybe not this order but it'd be rossi lundell and Perfetti. if we can get one of those three we'll stay at nine and and take whatever falls that way if we if those people are off the table then i think you start entertaining Trading back and and taking somebody, uh, you know, like I don't know, a, a, a Seth Jarvis or something like that, or an Askarov. You you take a pick, you take a try at the goalie, just based on upside and performance of those guys in that top ten.
0: Well, and so Sorry. and from this perspective, Derek too, because I think all three of us can agree that Rossi and Perfetti aren't happening. Like you don't know what'll happen come draft day, but. Those two are going off the board in the top six or seven, probably. Um, yep. I agree with you. We want them if they slip to there. So I guess yeah, my. They, I mean, John Chaika,
2: is- he's not here to draft anymore. So we're not going to see uh, anybody drop.
0: And <laughs> yeah, no shit. But, so I guess my question oh. at that point is Are you happy with Lundell? Has he shown you enough that you're like, Yes, I just want to take him and be good with it? Or if you know that you can get by field by trading up to the oh. two or the three spot and it costs you Dumba and it or it costs you that, you know, unprotected pick next year. Like, do, are you convinced that Byfield is good enough that it's worth making that move, or have you not seen enough that you think he's locked in as a one C?
1: Byfield would be a person I would be willing to take that risk for. Hell yeah, uh, as buddy, far, me too. As, as, as far as Lundell goes at at nine, I would be happy with him. I think I think there's more offense to his game than. I know even in my own write-up about Anton Lundell, I, I kind of mentioned that there was some comparisons to like a Miko Koivu 2.0. Um, there's also a recent scout from Finland, from Dauber Prospects, who said he thought he was more comparable to a uh, Ryan O'Reilly. And that, to me, sounds like a kind of guy that I would want to see on the team, probably more in a second-line center role than a first line. But still, we need to fill two spots. So to me... If you can get one this year, that's a huge step in the right direction instead of, you know, like what they've done so many other times, kick the can down the road and hope you can somehow get one on a free agency even though you tell everyone you can't get one on a free agency.
2: Yeah.
0: No, and that's definitely fair. And, I mean, again, this is just coming from me growing up a Penguins fan because I've mentioned yeah. it many times. There wasn't a team growing yeah. up. So, like – If you're going to hold out hope and think that there's going to be a lottery pick coming from Pittsburgh, like, you're going to need every player to get hurt. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Penguins definitely have made some questionable moves, some that I like, some that I hate. They're not missing the playoffs unless Crosby and Malkin both get hurt. Like, that is something that you almost take advantage of with other people, in my opinion, being that it's an unprotected pick. Like, most teams trade their picks unprotected, and it, like, just – recently has this allure of being this amazing lottery shot. And I, I genuinely think that's something that you utilize and move that pick.
1: Yeah. Well, the wild did that the last time. If you remember back in the day, the wild, uh, when we traded Dwayne Rollison at the d- deadline to uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they then traded that pick to, to the Kings to get uh, Pavel Dimitra, uh which is a clip. I still love watching. Bettman go, ooh, when the Vancouver crowd went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the wild are doing something. <laughs> By the way, hilarious. like
2: Pavel Dimitra, like such such an absolute beauty, you know, both that's like another Wild and Vancouver connection that I have. Uh yeah, rest in peace, man, because he was yeah. he was an unbelievable mm-hmm. player and definitely a fan favorite, even with his short stint with the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah. Um but I mean that that's that's definitely, you know, it's another bargaining chip that you have, um, albeit it's a bit of an unknown. Um, but the fact that it isn't lottery protected, even if you don't believe the, the Penguins are going to be in a position where they get a lottery selection, still gives you a chance if something were to happen that, you know, becomes the worst case scenario. I mean, like, look at this year. I mean, no one <laughs> going into last season, how many people thought uh, you'd end up with, you know, a second chance at getting the first overall pick, Right. you know, it seems like the wild that technically made the playoffs that had that opportunity. I mean, <clears throat> that's crazy unto itself. So I, I guess for myself, you know, you, you probably want to hold on that as much as long as you can, but yeah, if, uh, if it's going to yield you a, a, a first line center, or probably a top, you know, either a top two center, you probably strongly consider it. with with where the Wild is at in terms of its age and where you have two young stars that really need a center.
2: (laughs) Well, speaking of that then, and I know you listen to – I mean, you support the SodaPod, so thank you so much, Derek. Um, No problem. So you probably heard about my kind of rundown on potential centers that realistically – could be traded to the wild. And I say realistically in the fact that the other teams would actually benefit from the trade as well. It's not a one-sided wild trade. Um, who are you targeting other than a Quinton Byfield? you know, assuming you can make that, that trade up to draft him, uh, as a, as a top C for, for the wild.
1: Well, in the interim, I guess the person that I think is the most plausible is probably Sean Monahan of the Calgary flames.
2: Oh, Hoppy's going to uh, love you on this one.
1: I, I, I think the reason is the the Flames want to try something different. And I think <clears throat> some of their defense core, especially like Mark Giordano, they're getting older, and they're going to want some energy. Dumbo would provide that. He'd be going back closer to home. And I think it works on a number of different levels. Now, you know, I, I think I'm not sure Monaghan is – going to be an 80 point guy with the Minnesota wild cause no one ever seems to be an 80 point person for the Minnesota wild, but <laughs> it's, it's much better than the options they currently have. I mean, I know Bill Guerin talking to Russo, you know, he talked about having like a center by committee thing, which just sounded like a disaster to me, you know, where you, you could be flip flopping centers every three games. And I don't know, that sounds like purgatory, you know, or you know, I guess on the on the on, on the sadistic side of me, I'm like cool. Then we'll get a lottery pick. <laughs> but you know, from a yeah. winning perspective, I think we'll be I think we'll be hot garbage because that just isn't usually a formula for se- success. If we if we saw that every team would be flipping their centers, but they don't.
0: So here's what I'll say I mean, on that. You know, like, again, maybe we'll lose a couple followers because I keep bringing up the Penguins. But like that is where Bill Guerin came from, and. It's not with the centers so much, but they've very much had a process where they would rotate guys up and down the lineup to facilitate properly throughout the year, keep things loose, keep things fresh, and always be looking for that best combination. There's a way that that can work, but like you said, I don't know if it'll work with the center position or not. And he also might just be blowing smoke because he knows exactly who he's going to pick up here as soon as... Maybe that means he's targeting someone from the stars or from the lightning because they're the only ones he can't trade for right now.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I think it was you guys, you guys were talking about the stars. You're talking about Rupe hints. Now that's a, that's a player that I think is really intriguing. And oh, if he's if the, he's the a stars
2: machine, man,
1: a, well, he's big, he's fast. He's fairly strong. He's young. Um, actually a buddy of mine, um, went to Finland and saw him playing in a Finnish Liga game. Oh, and really cool. He, <clears throat> he didn't even know who he was, you know, he just saw him on the roster and I think one of the fans near him said, he's a you know, the stars drafted that guy. And so he kinda came back and was telling me all about Rupe hints and sure enough the next year we see him and he looks great. And I think there's a real bright future for that kid, but oh, yeah. how are the stars going to be able to afford it? And hey you know, like they say, uh, you know, if it was the, if the shoe was on the other foot, they would be throwing us anchors. We might as well throw something at them, and maybe they'll take us up on the offer to save some cap space.
0: And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this too, Derek, because we brought this up on the last podcast after talking about Rupe hints when it was kind of scoffed at, like, no, I would never get rid of him or Gurianov. Well, we know you're going to pay Heiskanen. You say yep. you're going to pay hints and Gurianov. That means someone's got to go. Yeah. Do you give – real consideration to taking on, it is a long-term contract for a lot of money, but God, I'd, I'd love to have a guy like Tyler Sagan coming in. I don't care how cold he looks right now.
2: Yeah, hey, He scored but, the other night. He scored two points, right? He got <laughs> in three that overtime loss. <laughs> three points. There you go. <laughs> he actually looks really good, but.
1: Well, he, he's a good player. I mean, you talk about a player that uh, it's remarkable that he's, has been moved as often as he has considering where he was drafted. That's a, he's kind of a, but I mean, it was unbelievable that he was let go of Boston. I mean, while while he was it was a maturity issue, it's still amazing to me that he got dealt. But, That's
0: a Boston problem, though. They got rid of a lot of good players because oh, they Joe, had Thornton,
1: Joe, Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton. know, they you got, got rid of Castle, Blake Wheeler. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. But going back to you know the Wild situation, they got
2: Cam Neely though, so Vancouver's still Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, the going back to the Wild situation, I mean, I I wonder sometimes if that's maybe the issue maybe with our situation with our defensemen. I mean, with twenty over $27 million committed to four defensemen, our team's thinking, oh, come on, you're never going to want to have that much salary tied up into your top four. So they're not going to be giving you maybe big offers because they, they're hoping to, you know, like anybody, you're going to try to get them for as cheaply uh, – for as cheap as you can and maybe they maybe the offers are pretty underwhelming right now and as much as you'd like to think he's an attractive piece which he is no one's going to let you know that they're that interested it's like a person going to a car lot you don't go to the you know it's not a smart move to go to the car and act like oh my god i love this thing this is amazing no you want (laughs) to act like yeah it's okay you know
0: and i I agree with it's got four wheels Hey, he come things, you feel like it might be just a little bit different because he is like a young, poised, right-handed defenseman. Like, yeah, we need to get rid of a defenseman. Everyone can see it, but yep. there's going to be other teams lining up. So it's almost a market demand type problem, especially come next season when, like, inevitably someone important on a blue line for a contender is going to go down, right?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, sorry for bringing up Russo all the time, but... No, don't apologize for bringing up the best Garin hockey writer Zoomcast. in the NHL. Of, well, no, I'm just saying because it sounds like I'm pimping another podcast. It's just uh, he had <laughs> uh, Garen on, and uh, one of the points Garen talked about was something he learned from Rutherford, which was making a good deal because you want to make a deal with that guy in the future. In other words, yes, exactly. you don't want to fleece somebody. You don't want to burn your bridges, so to speak. So. No. Maybe the, I know this might be sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but the first when you know, as soon as I heard them say that, you know, go like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You don't wanna piss people off, you wanna make deals with them in the future. Does that mean that people didn't have any respect for Paul Fenton when they made the rask for Nino deal? It's like this guy's a jackass. Here you go. Have, have fucking rask. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Amazing.
1: I, I, and, and this then day, shame on
2: no, go Shame ahead, go on ahead. Paul
1: for not doing his homework. I was just saying shame on Paul for not doing his homework. I mean, that that is that much is very obvious. But you know, I'll give I'll give Garin some credit for saying, Hey, we really haven't given him a real shot here. He's he's been here, everyone's pretty much been poo-pooing him from the start. Yeah, it's probably not gonna be great, but we got to at least give him a shot. We can't just be like, oh, he didn't do anything on the fourth line. He sucks. You know, and almost anybody's going to suck the playing line. the fourth line minutes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, Garen, as we've seen he's just not solo Donato either. And just for his case, like, I'd just like to see I'd like to see him have a real chance uh, in the league because there are tools there. And obviously he hasn't had a chance to to really show them off here in uh, in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, but with Donato, it's it comes down on a lack of versatility. If he was a more diverse game where he could kill penalties, plus give you some points, teams would be calling about him more regularly. But because he's kind of a he kind of fits mostly as a top six or bus kind of player, the phone calls just aren't there unless you have an opening and you feel he could somehow fit. And and that to me kind of limits. You know, it limits who the the potential buyers are. And if they are going to buy, they're going to buy very low. They'll be like, we'll give you a fifth rounder for him. And you're like saying, come on, he's not worth a fifth. He's worth more than that. But at the end of the day, you, that may be the best you can get.
0: No, that's nope. fair. Fair and enough, fair enough. To, to pivot here, because I, I saw this pop up. At one point on Twitter, Derek. So I, I gotta hear your argument here because I think you and I are going to be on the opposite sides of this. Since their Fair inception, a couple decades back, do you really think the Wild have ever been a true contender? Actually, had a chance to win a Stanley Cup?
1: Nope.
0: Oh, okay. Never mind. We got no That's argument. Not one
1: bit. Nope. They've, I uh... thought I
0: saw you argue on at one point <laughs> that like they had a year or two where they were contenders, and I just well, genuinely disagree. <laughs>
1: Well, the way that I, like a lot of people would say, you know, that we had to make the Suter-Parisi move to have legitimacy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, as 28, I think they were both 28 years old or 29 years old, the window, if there was a window, it's like you took a magazine and you put it underneath the windowsill of the thing. So that's how big the freaking window was and if they didn't do it right then and there someone pulled the freaking magazine out right away that's about as big a fucking window we've had <laughs> <And> <laughs> i'm sorry that's that's just the freaking truth they're they're oh, not they're not people that carry you to the to the to the top i mean the the first round exits speak for themselves we haven't seen either of those guys just carry the team on their back and be like Watch this, guys. I'm tearing you to the conference finals. And no one's been able to do stuff like that. You know, like like Chris Chris Pronger carried the Oilers to the Stanley Cup finals. And the Flyers and and the Ducks. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because he's a superstar. And our guys are just good. That's all we've ever had, good guys at best.
3: No,
0: that's fair.
2: Look,
1: I mean,
0: we
2: (laughs) we may lose more followers, but it's true. It's true. There have been good teams in the past, but I mean, you're right. There hasn't been a game breaker, you know?
0: We've also never had Billy Guerin.
2: That's true. No, that's true.
1: no, but I mean, I think I would argue we've had a better coach. I mean, I think Jacques Lemaire, if you would have given him some better pieces, oh man, could have yeah. gone farther. I really so, think he could have. Well, he's a chess
2: master. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you give him, you give him any piece, and he'll he'll get the best out of it. And like you said there, if he had, if he had a Kaprizov coming in, like oh man, he would just be like chomping at the bit, just ready to go. Oh. Well,
1: the thing is with Lemaire is that there there was no player, there are probably very few players where he would have ever been intimidated by who they were. It's like, who are you? I, I have, I have eight Stanley cup rings as a player. I have one as a, like, I don't need you to legitimize me, you know, <laughs> where, you know, and that, that's the thing, you know, um, that's the thing where I feel like, and it's not, be, I'm not saying that the wild have had bad coaching. That's, that's the root of our problem. I think one of the issues that we had though, like when we assigned those, to, especially Ryan Suter and uh, Zach Parisi is the fact that, you know, the country club mentality is, they're not going anywhere and they know it, you know, they're, they're going to be on the ice. They have a no movement clause and you brought it up. You kind of, you were sarcastic about it before, but the Minnesota wild are tied with the San Jose sharks as the two teams with the most no move or no move clauses in the league. I might be wrong in San Jose sharks. I think they have four. I actually had a list of it. I should have brought it down here, but The Wild have the most no-move clauses of any team in the league. There's a lot of teams that have a ton of guys with modified no-trades, but no-move means you have no leverage with that player. They decide everything. You have to protect them in the expansion draft. You have to talk to them if they want to be traded. Even modified no-trades, you can still trade them. You just have to find somebody that's not on their list. Their no-trade list.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and to to jump on that quick. Boom,
1: that sucker was gone.
2: Yeah, you know? well, to, 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 to jump on that quick, um, I totally agree. And Russo, again, talked about that on the same podcast, which you brought the point f- uh, from earlier, where that there's such a country club mentality that the fact that that's why Stahl didn't put the Buffalo Sabres on his list. He put Stanley Cup contenders thinking that those will be the ones calling for my services, not fucking Buffalo. And <laughs> Garen went, all right, buddy, well, there's an out for me. Let's go. Well,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I have, I'm going to give you guys a scoop. I'm going to give you guys a scoop Mm. on this one. Here we go.
2: Episode 87.
1: (laughs) Well, I have have it on pretty good authority from an inside source, but Ryan Suter and that mentality is the reason that Scott Stevens left Minnesota.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: He he didn't want to deal with it. Like pretty much he felt people, there were a certain group of people on the team that were Teflon. They couldn't really be approached about anything regarding their play. And as a person who, you know, he played for Lou Lamarello, just like Garen did, mm-hmm. nothing's given, everything is earned. And he couldn't, he, and you know, that, that whole team is all about, and Lamarillo's attitude and LaMare's was all about accountability. So without accountability, you can't have a locker room. You can't have it where a third of your team or half your team is accountable, held accountable. And the other half is, well, that's the, that's the owner's kid. You can't talk to that guy. You know, cuz that's pretty much what it's like because those guys can make one phone call, do 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 call Craig, and all of a sudden somebody's ass is grass. <laughs> and 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 everyone knew it. I'm sorry, everyone knew it.
2: Oh man. You heard it here on the Soda Pod, ladies and gentlemen, episode eighty-seven. Look, Derek, we're almost out of time here, but we do have one last topic here, and um, well, uh, we'll make it quick. But uh, there's there's a debate. There's a debate that I'm gonna. I, I know you and Hoppy are on opposite sides of this debate, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you two guys duke it out here. But this is in regards to holding the door open uh, up here in Canada. I was, I was telling the state of Hoppy that like we say thank you to our fucking bus drivers before we leave. So obviously yeah. we hold the door open, even if it lasts like a minute or so. Um, what are your thoughts on door, door holding etiquette uh, before we let you go here tonight?
1: Uh, <laughs> if you get, well, state of Hoppy, I don't know if you've read this. Have you ever read the book, how to speak Minnesotan? No,
0: I haven't, but it sounds wonderful. Okay, so
1: yeah, it's it's well, it's from the '80s. It's pretty dry humor to say the least. But anyways, holding the door to me is it's kind of like the etiquette goes like this: if you have the time and a person's within a hundred yards, <laughs> you'll hold the door open for them. <laughs> That's what you do. But if you're in a hurry, it's okay. And if someone asks, "Hey, why didn't you hold the door for me?" He said. I had to make a phone call or you had to do something and it's, <laughs> and it's fine. And no one holds it against you because most people don't even expect someone to do it. But to me, I would, I know Hoppy says it's, it's kind of a dick move because then you make the person feel guilty because it's like, Oh shit, I got to hustle. Cause you're holding the door. <laughs> open
0: well, Hey now, like I have had many <laughs> times where I'm like 30 feet behind the person and they hold it. And like, you can tell they're looking <sighs> at you, just giving you the look like, buddy, I got to be somewhere. Let's go. And I'm just like, just leave. I don't need you Like I appreciate yeah. it, but don't do that. Like, like these are Canadian I, problems, guys. This is Canadian why we're so
2: close business. to Minnesota. We got the same then, sort of problems.
1: And then, they're, then they they look at you like they're a bellhop at a at a hotel. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Where's my thank you, please? Thank right, you. Precisely. You're welcome. You know. <laughs>
0: Like if there's someone behind me and they're carrying a bunch of stuff and they're a little bit further back, I'm going to hold it for them. And guess what, Esha? I thank my bus drivers too when I get off. Oh, there you but go. But I just don't like when someone like looks back, sees me like 30 feet back, holds the door and like sits there and is like tapping their foot. Like, yep, come on, let's go.
1: Well, I, I will say this. It is that way. Definitely. If somebody has their hands full. So I'm a, for sure, um, I'm a. I already told you I coached football, but I'm i I'm a high school teacher. And if I see one of my colleagues, you know, carrying like her bag full of papers and, you know, like she's holding some like cookies for kids or something. No, I'm definitely going to hold it open, even if I do have things to do, just because their hands are full. You know, I'd I'd hope somebody would do that for me. And a lot of times people have, you know, and And I would say I would say it's a you know, like it's, it's something where you appreciate it, but it's not necessarily expected. And I don't and I don't think it's really that much different even though I live in South Central Wisconsin than, in, than I do in Minnesota, but I was born and raised in Minnesota. Um, so I, I get the whole like Minnesota nice angle on that, but I I, I don't know. I, I guess for myself, I think, I don't think there's ever really a, a bad, there's nothing bad about being polite. I, I'll admit, I apologize about everything too. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if there's any like latent Canadian in me or whatever, there but I apologize be. about a lot of things. <laughs> Do you offer a donut
0: when you apologize?
1: Okay. No, I did not. <laughs> Here's some Timbits. I'm just kidding.
2: By the way, I'm a Krispy Kreme guy over Timbits, but I may lose Canadian followers over that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's okay.
1: With all the Krispy Kremes died here, so.
2: I oh, mean, I only see them honestly in front of Walmart's these days.
1: <laughs> I think the nearest one is two hours from me in Milwaukee.
2: Oh, damn. Well, then I shouldn't complain because I literally got a Tim Hortons like f- down the road a couple blocks, which I'm probably going to hit up tonight when I edit up this podcast. But, uh, Derek, that's all the time we have uh, for you here today. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, what do you got coming up on crease and assist?
1: Uh, To be pr- perfectly honest, I'm really I'm more of a wait and react kind of person. So we'll see if the Wild make any moves prior to the draft. Probably won't happen. Otherwise, I have some draft stuff coming Oh, I'll cover whoever we pick on either day one and day two. So it's going to be a busy week, not this week, but next week for sure.
2: Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to retweet it. And uh, we we thank you again for all your support and, and you know, this, uh, the keys to the castle are yours. Whenever you want to come and talk Minnesota wild, uh, talk about some topics that you highlight in your articles. uh, You're, you're, you're always welcome here, man.
1: Hey, thanks so much for inviting me. I love the, love the show love, love the whole thing. And I don't know why anyone would be offended by beer talk. I think, I think beer and hockey are the peanut butter and jelly of, of sp- pro sports. That's, oh, that's I where it, it should be.
2: Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thanks again, Derek. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. talk to you soon, my friend.
1: Have a great night.
2: Thank you. Thanks. Uh, everyone go give Derek a follow on, on Twitter as well. at uh, at crease and assist. You can follow myself on Twitter, at VI sports talk. Of course, hoppy here at state of hoppy. And, uh, well, the podcast at The Soda Pod. The best thing you can do for us uh, is give us a rating and a review on iTunes. We, we'd appreciate um, five stars. I don't really care what you review. You can shit, You can say that you don't want to hear us talk about beer. We're going to do it anyways. But uh, just give us five stars, all right? Um, and a reminder, we have poll questions every week. We ran them down earlier in the show. we got a few more minutes left here on the live stream and podcast, folks. And we got two more quick segments to get into. Um, but, uh, but again, just quickly, thanks to, to our guests there, Derek, he's a huge fan of the show. Um, he, he's always tweeting us, uh, and he's always retweeting the streams, the podcasts and, uh, and we got a ton of more NHL topics to on, on tap, but we're going to put them on the shelf. We'll continue to, to go through our lists as uh, the weeks go by a lot of draft talk coming up. So we're really excited for that as well. But one thing that I'm so excited for next episode, uh, episode 88, of the soda pod is to talk about this, uh, this sport that's, uh, well. It's an indigenous sport to Italy and Florence in particular. We'll talk a little bit about that and tease Wednesday's segment on the other side. Um, We're going to take a quick break here and run a quick teaser from, uh, well, Terry Ryan's last podcast, uh, Tales with TR. Um, The full episode is on YouTube, but uh, find it, Tales with TR, a hockey podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Terry is the best storyteller in hockey, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a little... uh, uh here's a little uh, tidbit from his last podcast where he had uh, ken reed from sportsnet who's also an avid hockey writer I-, I didn't even know this until tuning into terry's podcast he has a ton of books and he's an avid hockey cards guy just an all-around great interview and uh, great personality and and broadcaster uh, up here in canada anyway so we'll throw it to that before we get into our last final segments here on the soda Corner Brook Royals. Nice. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. That, is that from our excursion a couple of years ago out in Corner Brook on Hockey Day in Canada?
3: That is, uh, that is from Stephen Brunt. He was out when he did a story on Corner Brook uh, prior to Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. That. He picked me up this hat. So there you go. Corner Brook Royals.
2: Beautiful. I've I plugged he, yeah. in four years with the Corner Brook Royals, Kenny.
3: Yeah. You're, uh, you and Landon Sim are my two favorite Corner Brook Royals. <laughs> and, 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 and Robbie Forbes.
0: You're listening to Tales with TR, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow Terry Ryan on all social media platforms. New episodes every Tuesday or Thursday, wherever you download podcasts from.
2: Awesome stuff. Though. That's just uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg there. Obviously, uh, I'll see Shane here. Shane Van Nice is saying on Facebook, uh, and again, thanks everyone tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter that he's uh, halfway through TR's uh, latest episode. Um, speaking of episodes, I, uh, I ran from recommendation from my, my roommate, Sam, who's been on the show. Uh, I watched an episode of, oh, hell Hoppy. What, what's the name of it on, uh, on Netflix? I'm supposed to tease it here.
0: Uh, oh, are you talking about the whole series?
2: Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, yep. So if you go on
0: Netflix, find the series home game, home game. Yeah. So and that, we'll hear the, the uh, first episode of which we're going to be jumping into on Wednesday with Sam, who, again, obviously has some local ties to that.
2: So Sam, the first night I met him and I actually came home late from recording the soda pot. I believe it was on a Sunday and um, and he was checking out you know, the vacant room in, in our place and. Uh, I missed the whole showing. Like I was like an hour late, but Sam was still there on my couch, just guzzling down the the vino with my roommate and former roommate now, and um, and we got talking. And I mean, the interview process went pretty well. The guys obviously now our roommate and his roommate started telling us crazy sports stories, and he also started telling me a story about this particular sport in Italy. Um, like Dylan, producer Pigeon over here, if you don't mind getting that up on the screen while we talk about this. He said that there's actually a sport in Italy that's, again, indigenous to Florence, and you have to be born in Florence to be able to be even be eligible to play this. It's a two-game tournament. You play two games a year, and you're either part of the red team, the the blue team, the green team, and the white team. And it's based on the region that you're born in—in Florence—and it's uh, it's it's a cross between football, I'd say rugby. Um, what else there? MMA and <laughs> uh, and soccer. And here's a little example here on screen: some highlights from uh, from from some of the games. It's the most, I, I you know, people say that hockey is the closest thing to gladiator sports, and I would have agreed with them until I saw this. Now, again, it's it's illegal in Italy, but sanctioned in Florence. Um, it's a it's a two it's a tournament so two game events spanning between fourteen days if I'm not mistaken. Um, homework for all the listeners and viewers here on the Soda Pod: check out that documentary. I will. It's only thirty minutes long. I will post yeah. the link in uh, in in a post right after this podcast. Here's a little example. You know they're lining up here, and basically like I'll get Sam to explain the rules and whatnot uh, for those who don't tune into it. But but if you do, <laughs> basically you got to get the ball on the other side of the. the the netting on on uh, the other side of the court and to clear space, unlike football where the O line just kind of blocks, you straight up bare knuckle brawl and the fr- and once you once your opponent here literally opponent hits the ground, you both are out of play and that's how you clear space for your runners to fucking score a point. This is insane, insane. Now the amount of people who are roided up on this, probably eight out of ten players on every team. Uh, <laughs> but hey, this is uh. This is insane, and again, I'm not going to give away a, a lot of the documentary. I hope that our listeners can go and check it out. If you love sports, you're gonna you're gonna absolutely love it. Shit, this guy on the right here in the red—he's in the documentary. I recognize this motherfucker. Um, it's 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 unbelievable. And uh, if you like, yeah, if you're a football fan, and I know those in Minnesota. Skull, baby. Go Vikings. Uh, you're going to love this shit. Anyone who's into mixed martial arts and, you know, I was into mi- mixed martial arts and just martial arts before I even was a hockey fan. So when I saw this, it just blew my mind. So, like, look at them go. It's just like a bare knuckle brawl out there. Like, I thought box lacrosse was a little insane. This this this, this tops it. Wow. So anyways, um, it's called Calcio Storico. A little tease about a conversation that we're gonna have with Sam on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, I hope I uh, hope every, I hope we can have a, a more broader conversation about this again. Tweet us on the link if you're interested. Uh, Shane said you got sauced. I don't know. I don't know, Shane. Uh, a little bit. I, I don't know. I have I've had one beer, and you know I'm about to. Yeah, well, I am hungry. I'm about to plow in some teen burgers in, in me after this. Uh, Shout out A&W. But again, uh, go check that out. I will tweet the link. Calcio uh, Storico. Best sport in history? I don't know. I think it's up there. I think it's up there. Um, okay, last segment of the show. It will be quick because I know uh, P- producer Pigeon next to me, he's hungry too. Um, well, uh, on the other side here, we have... Uh, We have one uh, voicemail from our friend Drunk Greg via the open phone app that we want to close out the show with here on episode 87 of The Soda Pod. (laughs) and beyond the state of hockey listen it's simple call us we'll put you on the podcast Uh, even if you text us it's a great way to interact so don't be shy 612-324-1684 or on twitter (laughs) at hockeypodnet Um, oh yeah shane i was absolutely sauced when i was talking about this sport with sam he's got a good memory there you just got to be a little (laughs) okay i see it thanks thanks producer pigeon. Hell yeah, Drunk Greg. Yes. 612 324 1684. Send us a text or a voicemail. Shane's been looking forward to this for weeks. Sorry, Shane. Uh, we, we've had so much hockey news and uh, another guest, and well, it's filled up our time here on the Soda SodaPod. Uh, Drunk Greg has yet another voicemail. We're only going to play one right here because we are running short on time. Uh, but, I, you know, usually I'd, I'd get the video ready or whatnot or plug the audio right into our stream. But it comes through in the podcast pretty good when I do a Callwood like this. So for those watching the stream, honestly, it sounds better on the podcast. But I haven't even screened this yet. This is from our friend, uh, the infamous Drunk Greg. Hey, boys, it's uh, Greg calling in here. Just uh, having a few drinks down at the Legion, and, and I was wondering...
1: Uh... Oh, what your
2: guys is best getting drunk down at the Legion stores were, so, uh, uh, good job boys, Wow. Uh, what a character. It's funny, on the Open Phone app, they, they transcribe to you what the voicemail is, and Open Phone has no idea what the fuck Greg's talking about. It says, uh, Whores are Sean Corrin. That's the first uh, thing it comes up, so... Um, I think he was talking about the Legion, and he asked us what our- Thanks, drunk, great again, again for tuning into the Soda pot. I know you're on Twitter, but I have no idea who the fuck you are yet. And I've been- I've been digging for the last few months, let me tell you. But anyways, uh, the Legion, do you have- Do you, do you have a- a drunken Legion story there, State of Hoppy? I know Shane might. Yeah, he
0: honestly might. I- I don't have anything crazy. Obviously, every story begins and ends with pull tabs, and you go to the Legion. But uh, okay, okay, no, so this isn't really a drunk story, I guess. But
2: I'm glad you have asshole. one, regardless. To be perfectly honest.
0: Oh, there you go. Well, my friend's an asshole, and we went to the <laughs> Legion to get like cheap beers and watch football. Yes. And like, he's convinced that like I'm just a douchebag and don't want to drink Miller Light because I don't want to drink Miller Light, and he thinks I don't know the difference. So of course, he goes up and buys a round for everybody and gives me a Miller Light, and I take one sip and I just look up at him like. You're such an asshole He's like What do you mean? I'm like I know what this is He's like How? I'm like because it tastes like piss Because I'm the state of
2: Hoppy Motherfucker
0: <laughs> No I, I, I'm not like Isha I don't Hate on light beers Light beers are fine And serve a purpose At certain times But Miller Lite Has no purpose For
2: anyone <laughs> i love it um mine mine's a little dark and honestly like i i don't think <laughs> i don't even think i was drinking back then. I was like 16 again i'm a huge music guy so i hit so many concerts up as a kid whether they're over uh, over the ferry ride to the mainland at rogers arena or even at the local legion and the crowd wasn't too big um oh what god it's gonna getting... i'll have to retweet it after because i can't remember off the top of my head maybe maybe i am sauce shane um they were they, they had the leading song in the borderlands video game the first one I, I can't for the life of me remember the band's name but they weren't big back then and they <laughs> came to vancouver island at the at the the lanceville legion and i noticed like there wasn't a lot of people uh i don't know what a legion is shane do your fucking homework man um so i i, I thought to myself like there's not a lot of people here at, at this concert and usually like the legion packed up here with high school kids and whatnot again i was 16 years old um, I guess I didn't get the Facebook memo that uh, a couple white, ma- I guess at the time, like just a couple skidheads came in with rocks in their socks and proceeded to try to beat the shit out of everyone. I luckily did not receive any blows. I got the fuck out of there real quick, but I know one buddy of mine got, <laughs> got bonked pretty pretty hard there. Um, oh Dylan, I can't I can't for the no, it wasn't the true Shane, although. Shane and I did stage hop the Trues at a at Nanaimo concert, and uh, we didn't get thrown out, which was which was fun. I think our friend Andrew McDonald got <laughs> thrown out <laughs> of, the like, an hour-long left. Oh, yeah, Shane, you remember that well. But again, yeah, I took things a little dark. But it was nuts. I've never seen anybody outside of the movies storm a concert, fucking balaclavas and rocks in their socks, and just start beating the shit out of people. In Lanceville, British Columbia, which is a tiny little old folks retirement town. The shit you see at the Legion, man. Drunk Greg, I, I hope you enjoyed that one, bud. Because that that story, I think, will top any of your Legion stories. Anyways. Any comment there, Hoppy? Or are you just going to leave me hanging?
0: I just don't even know what to say.
2: <laughs> well, I guess I should say that this segment has been brought to you by the Open Phone app, although maybe not for much longer. They give you a business phone and an app. Great monthly rates at only 10 bucks a month. And the web app is outstanding. Uh, Shane said he got thrown out of Finger Eleven for stage hopping. Really? Did did you, Shane? Um, I think uh, my friend uh, Braden and Troy actually. It was a Finger Eleven and Sum Forty One show, and they they just hopped over the boards into the mosh pit. And I was too. Uh, I was thirteen or fourteen at the time, and I was too scared to do so. I got one knee on stage. Shane, that's barely stage hopping. Okay, we got to end the show here. We're going right off the rails. We've got an hour and a half. Thanks to every uh, guest who's joined us today. Thanks, Bad Weather Brewing. Um, Thanks, Derek. Um, and again thanks to everybody tuning in on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple podcast folks the best things you can do for us this week uh, besides donating on Patreon is to give us five stars on iTunes and Apple podcast uh, go listen to our website too, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com, and on your app any podcast app uh, download the episode before you listen as it just helps our business and speaking of business our friends at coolhockeycom hockey.com um, they're partnered with the network and we give you a promo code THPN that gives you 30% off your orders and if you're In Canada, free shipping One of the best Canadian uh, hand-stitched jersey manufacturers They're unbelievable We love them here Distributors, not manufacturers But speaking of manufacturing They are bringing in Adidas uh, Well, they've they've restocked a ton of Adidas Adidas jerseys So go check those out Uh, Coolhockey.com slash THPN And if you use our promo code THPN Again, you get 30% off your next order And free shipping to Canada uh, So go check them out you can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. Of course, The Soda Pod at The Soda Pod. Uh, Hoppy here at The State of Hoppy. And uh, and again, at HockeyPodNet on all social media. You can find uh, a podcast on every NHL team, and we have a ton of extra content uh, coming out every week. Uh, do you got anything else on tap, Hoppy? I know I, probably, I silenced you there with that fucking Legion story. <laughs>
0: no, you're good. I just want to make sure that everyone else is aware that we're Isha is going to be going out to eat today. You can go to a local establishment of A&W if you choose as well. Here. That's an inside
2: joke here. Maybe you can, maybe you and Joey. Uh, and by the way, Judge Joey, it's not going to be live next week on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to record it a day later because uh, he's in transit actually. So we will, uh, we will record the segment. We'll post it all on Thursday. Go check out and vote on uh, uh, the Judge Joey poll. We want the Twitter verdict. We got Joey's last week. Uh, thanks again, Joey. Two in a row, not a big deal. Uh, but we want the Twitter verdict here, and uh, we really appreciate your participation on that. All right, episode uh, 87 of The Soda Pod. Thanks to producer Pigeon uh, over here, hitting switches and controls. uh, Signing off, I'm Isha Jeromey alongside the State of Hoppy, and this has been The Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. You good, buddy? We're good, man. Don't fear. Just drink some beer and stay wild.